storied franchise. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. All-time NHL greats. And he caught that over the line. Goes to the left side, shoots and scores! He is all alone as the leading NHL goal-scoring defenseman. Tonelli to Nystrom, he scores! This is Talkin' Isles with Greg Picker and Corey Wright. We welcome you into another edition of Talkin' Isles, the New York Islanders' official interview-based podcast. I am Greg Picker, the Islanders' radio color commentator, and as always, joined by senior writer for NewYorkIslanders.com, Corey Wright. Corey, we brought another fun guest on this week, Marius Cherkovsky, 470 games with the Islanders out of the 745 he played throughout his NHL career, also spent time with the Boston Bruins, Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Canadiens, and Toronto Maple Leafs. And when you can bring somebody on who is one of the best-known athletes in the history of their country, well, that's pretty good. You get some stories out of it. That's right. The Polish Prince, Marius Cherkovsky. So obviously we had to really get into his backstory, how he came up in Poland, his youth hockey days, playing in the World Juniors, eventually coming over to the NHL. And really, he was a fan favorite on Long Island, especially at a time where the team wasn't necessarily so great. He was definitely a bright spot, had a couple of all-star seasons, a 30-goal score. So really great to catch up with the Polish Prince himself. Yeah, he was one of, one of those guys that was putting up numbers on some non-playoff teams. Then he was there for a couple of fun seasons as well in the early 2000s. So we will now take it away with Marius. From the draw, Roman Hamerlick cranks, fires, kick save, rebound, score! Tchaikovsky! We now welcome in Marius Tchaikovsky. And Marius, we want to start with this, because in North America, I'm not sure we are 100% accurate with the proper pronunciation of your name. So if you're back in Poland, how would you introduce yourself with your full name? Yeah, hello. Uh, that was pretty good, actually, Marius Tchaikovsky. But no, normally it's Marius, more like strong, you know, Marius Tchaikovsky. But uh, Marius, Marius Tchaikovsky, it's, it's very, very close because I heard the beginning of the 90s when I started with Boston Bruins, that was much tougher to pronounce my name than, than now. You guys you guys, pretty good with that now. Well, Marius, I know that our IT guy, Paul Tauter, will appreciate that as a big fan, but you know, I think everyone's curious, growing up in Poland, what was the youth hockey scene for you like? You know, how aware were you of the NHL? At what age did you think that there was a chance for you to play in the NHL? And, you know, just take us through the youth hockey scene growing up in Poland. Well, never never thought it was going to happen, to be honest with you. You know, end of 80s, even earlier than that, you know, when I started was 79, 80. That was, you know, seven, eight years old. When I got first pair of skates, you know, hockey, hockey was pretty big uh, because the winter was huge in Poland that time. I mean, right now we're kind of searching for snow, but uh, things have changed. I, I was lucky because I was born in the city, Radomsko. They didn't have any ice rinks, but my father moved, uh, was looking for a job, got a pretty good job in the biggest town, but it was two hours away from my birthplace. So, you know, he took the family and, and me, obviously I was two years old that time, and grew up there in Tishy. 
city that actually, you know, had hockey and they were just building in the end of 70s, uh, building the ice rink. And, you know, like I said, in 80, 81, I started joining the hockey school there and the uh, hockey team. Uh, and that's how it started. I went, I actually started because my father took me to the hockey game. Uh, obviously, in Poland, everybody plays soccer and other sports, but, uh, you know, hockey wasn't the, wasn't the most popular. So, so he took me for the hockey game by just by the fluke, I guess, if his friends were going there. And as soon as I sat uh, on the stands and I and I watched this game, I was like, wow, those guys are big and fast, and I want I want to be like that. <laughs> and uh, and that's how it started. So um, yeah, I uh, I kind of fell in love with uh, with hockey right away, and and I and I stuck with that. Now, do you have any memories following or or watching the men's team at the Winter Olympics as they competed when you were growing up in '80, in 1984, 1988? Do you have any memories following those teams? '88, I remember '88. It was Calgary. They actually Poland played pretty good that time. Obviously, they, unfortunately, there was their own thing with uh, Morawiecki, one guy. They, you know, last. I mean, the first three games, they, they lost by this disqualification. So I guess it was like zero five, zero five, zero five. But they played pretty well, I think. Pretty close game in Canada with Canada and, and Czechoslovakia at that time. So '88, when I was 16, obviously I, I remember that. I follow that. Actually, I was still too young, but a year later, I pretty much half a year later, I, I joined the the national team when I was 16 and a half. So uh, obviously the Olympic was in the winter in February '88, but uh, end of you know October '88, September '88, I, I already. Had my first game with the senior team, so uh, and then when I was 17, I joined the national team. So I missed Calgary by a year, <laughs> but I got lucky. At 92, I, I went for the for the Olympic in Albertville. Well, before you went to the Winter Olympics, you played for the national team at the 1990 World Juniors in Finland. That team didn't necessarily have a lot of success, but you would have played against Eric Lindros on Team Canada, Tony Amante on Team USA. You would have played the future Islanders teammate Brian Smolinski. Just what's kind of the, you know, what was that experience like getting to the World Juniors and just, uh, I guess, Poland also getting to that World Junior Hockey Championship as well in 1990? It was huge, obviously. Uh, it was uh, because I was younger two years than, than other guys because they, the, most of them were born 70. And obviously Lindros was, was you know, a big thing as well. You see, I think he's 73, by, by the way. So he was like three years younger, but he was pretty much tallest of all of them. But yeah, I, uh, so it was a learning experience for me. Obviously, I wasn't the main key guy. I had a better luck uh, next year. I still play under 18 uh, in 91 in March. Uh, Sweden, under 18 European uh, championships. So there was no Canada, no US, but there was a scout from NHL and, and scouts from Europe. So I think that's what I would get noticed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to play with those guys, play always with the better guys what happens in Poland as well I, I play two three four years older kids than me sometimes I remember my mom and uh, my dad sometimes they had to come to the game with the with birth certificate because they thought I, I bring the fake one uh, because they saw me with the different teams I play with my 12 years old so 13 years old kids that I was that I was with and then I also I play with the 16 years old 15 years old so other parents were like what the hell this guy is doing you know <laughs> he's playing with every team so he's probably faking the ID. So it was uh, obviously it was you know middle of '80s, so it was uh, not computerized everything, and you can see just clicking by the internet. You just you know the parents have to bring the birth certificates. So it was fun, but uh, like I said, uh, it was learning experience for me in Finland, and 
that probably give me some strength for the then playing with my age, my uh, the same guys like Pavel Bure, Jaromir Jagr, and those guys uh, in the European Championship. Marius, if, I think I read somewhere that you had played a game against Germany and there was an 8-7 win and you had it hand in all eight goals or you may have scored seven. Is that, is yeah. that true? Is that one of the games that kind of got you on the map? Yeah, that was, I guess that was the eye-opening for the, for the scouts as well because I end up on the scoring list uh, behind Pavel Bure and Jaromir Jag and all of a sudden Marius Tchaikovsky there, right, with all the Russians and, and uh, Czechs and Slovaks and uh, well, at the time it was Czechoslovakia, but uh, you know the, the the Finnish guys and Swedish guys and well when you score eight goals in the, actually I scored seven, I had one assist and one when you score that many goals they you know you, you put you up pretty high on those uh, on the on the championship scoring list and yeah for the game actually the German coach I don't remember his name unfortunately but the German coach came to the locker room and he's like, which one is this guy, Marius Tchaikovsky? I want to talk to him, you know, and came up and shake my hand and said, listen, you beat us. And uh, I scored a goal in every possible situation, you know, three on five, five on three, five on four, power play, PK, uh, penalty. I had penalty shot. I scored that. And uh, obviously even strength. So it was, I don't know, the game that kind of everything went uh, went uh, right, I guess. Now you mentioned that you did play in the 92 Winter Olympics in France. And how does that compare to the international experience that you already had? Was it a just completely different level, not only of, of the hockey on the ice, but also, of course, everything going on off the ice that goes with the Olympics? Yeah, it was, it was a huge thing. I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was 20 years old. I thought I'm going to have a few more Olympics like that. And then Poland never qualified after that until this day. I actually end up with as a special thing for me because now I'm, I can be called Olympian and, and you know, obviously in, in Poland it's a, it's a big thing as well. And, yeah, the experience was was, hard, was great. I couldn't speak really English at that time either. So, you know, you basically get stuck with your friends and especially, in, you know, in your team. But especially in France, I mean, a lot of people in France, didn't, they didn't talk English as well. We were in the mountains, you know, in Albertville. We didn't live in this main village, yeah? They, they were kind of divided, so... Hockey players play uh, staying in, in a different village, an Olympic village. So it was uh, it was more of a hockey hockey town uh, place. It was fun until I get you know hit uh, pretty hard by one of the guys. I, I don't remember. I think play against Finland or or USA. I get banged up. My leg. I get Charlie Horse. My leg was uh, was was pretty bad. So I couldn't play another two games. But I get back the three four days uh, break and uh, I, I finished the Olympic. We play against Italy. Actually, we won. That was the only one, uh, only win we we got. Eleventh uh, place. Well, I wish we could we could have that now. Eleventh place in the world, but uh, we end up on the on the twenty first, twenty second place right now in the world world ranking. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was a huge thing. Like I said, I was twenty. I thought every four years I'm going to play Olympics. Actually, the next Olympic was Lillehammer in '94 because they switched Olympics. They didn't want to have the same Olympics winter and summer in the same same year so the the next olympic was 94 we we didn't qualify we lost last game against uh, somebody that, that that joined that olympics but yeah was experience was was big and obviously i was at that time my that was my first year in sweden so i was getting this uh, high level hockey experience already so it was uh, it was good for me well marius after playing in sweden for a couple of years you over to the NHL and you're the first Polish trained player to make it to the league. So I'm curious, what did that mean to you? And really, what did that also mean for Polish hockey? 
like you can imagine, it was pretty pretty big because nobody ever came from that country that was trained in, in Poland and grew up in Poland and played for the national team in Poland and all of a sudden you end up in Boston uh, in National Hockey League. Uh, Boston Bruins was a great team at that time and they were very strong playing with the guys like uh, Ray Bork and Adam Oates and Cam Neely. It was, it, was, it was amazing for me you know, to get in the same lineup as, as them. Alafredi and like you said, uh, Glenn Murray and Stample and Smolinski and those guys, uh, Ted Donato. It was huge when I came back to Poland. Was obviously was getting swarmed by by journalists and and, and people. They asking questions and how it is and how maybe other kids can go the same roads and uh, routes. And and uh, obviously I was hoping that's going to happen. But you know I guess it's pretty tough to do it because until this day it was only Chris Oliver that that joined me a few years later. But he was a different hockey of a player, a different style. Obviously tough guy. I was more you know, technical guy and point game producer, goal scorers, like, you know, that that was that was that's what they looking for, uh, when I was playing. So yeah, it was uh, the, the the toughest question obviously was basically an easy one, but it was tough to answer because I didn't know where to start. It was uh, well what's the difference between uh, Polish League and NHL? I mean <laughs> it's, you can't you can't just do it in uh, ten seconds, you know. It's it's long it's a long answer. Now, you spend a couple of years, as you mentioned, with the Boston Bruins, then you move on to the Edmonton Oilers. And finally, 1997-98, you joined the New York Islanders. And was it pretty easy to fit in, considering how European of a team that was, especially when you look at who was really driving the offense? And Ziggy Palfi from Slovakia and Robert Reichel from Czech Republic? Yeah, it was uh, actually when I joined uh, in '97, wasn't that easy for me. Uh, obviously, it was nice because I was more comfortable after a few years being in NHL and and scoring 20 plus goals in Edmonton the season before. And so we do. There were like I think eight or nine players that scored 20 plus goals in, in on that team. But at the same time, we had a, there was a bad timing with with the ownership, and there was like a fire sale. Remember those days? A few months later. And obviously, we didn't play well. I, I you know, I, Rick Bones was the coach that time. I didn't play under his wings that much. Uh, but they the start, you know, trading the players, and and uh, some guys disappear, like uh, you know Bertuzzi or Smolinski, I guess, uh, Reichel, I think later on, and Travis Green. So I, I you know, after the they they switched the coach, I think Mike Milbury took over. Give me a chance to play, and uh, all of a sudden I scored nine goals in the last 16 games, and that kind of helped me to kind of rebound a little bit and stay stronger over the summer and, and work harder even for, for the next season to, to get the chance to play. So it wasn't easy at the at the beginning. Uh, my daughter in 97, my daughter was born, so I, w- I went to Sweden for a few days for her birthday, you know, and, and uh, after she came back, uh, she was very young, a few weeks old. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the life was life was different. You know, I was I was 25 that time, so a lot of things happened. But I kept working hard and finally I get my chances. Well, in the 1999-2000 season, it's when things really seemed like they clicked for you. You had 35 goals, 70 points. You were named to the All Star game. Just what really clicked for you that season? And you know, I went through it. You finished that year with a hat trick against the Florida Panthers as well. Just, you know, tell us about that year. What went right in your game in 1999-2000? I think just many years of experience and many years of work, working hard and, and finally get chances. And, and you know, Butch Goring 
that was the coach believe in me and give me a chance to play a lot, uh, play some power plays, and obviously, you know, we had some flow going. So our team wasn't that strong that we could make it to the playoffs, obviously, and you guys, you guys know that history and uh, you know how how things looked that time, end of '90s. But uh, you know, just just to get the experience, I uh, it was time that I loved to you know be with the team. I loved to stay longer. After the practices, I go to the gym. You know, I was pretty much one of the, you know, guys. Maybe I wasn't the first one, you know, in the locker room because I like to sleep in the morning. And, you know, I'm not, I was always on time. I wasn't, you know, like a, two hours before, like some guys. But I was always, you know, hour before, before the practice. But then I was, I was pretty much the last guy leaving the, the, the locker room, you know, two, sometimes two hours after, after the practice. I stay longer, stay extra. You know, go lunches with the team, stay with the. We had some bunch of young, younger players, yeah, like Matt Lingren and you know, obviously, uh, Scatchers and and Isbester and those guys, Tim Connolly and Oli Jokinen joining and and uh, Ninema and on those guys and and obviously, we had some bond and I don't know, I just I just feel home. I, I feel home in New York and until this day, if everybody asks me, you know, when obviously it isn't that tough to answer that, but. It, they asked me where where was the time that you know you you feel more most home in the states. Obviously, that was in Long Island, and and those years were uh, very very special for me. Especially the 2001-2002 season when the team was able to put it together, made some big acquisitions in the off season. So, how special was that year for you? And we love asking guys from that team just what their memories were and what their their favorite memories were from that season. Well, the favorite must be. I mean, we we finally getting. To Playoffs, yeah. I mean, Chris Osgood and Mike uh, Pekka, Michael Pekka, and 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 Yashin and and a few other guys uh, joined the team, and 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 we really starting playing strong hockey and 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 pretty good compared to you know year or two before or three years before because see the the budget was higher, the new buyer and uh, Charles Wang, obviously the owner, and 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 there was new perspective in in our uh, in our game, and obviously that that makes difference. And the favorite, I mean the fa- I don't remember it was this that year or year later, but that was probably the game against uh, Toronto. It was it was really tough tough uh, series, but it was that those games were I remember. I mean, unfortunately, we lost we lost the game in their building when when they hit Michael Peck up pretty hard but i mean there there were some games there were some some emotions involved so it was uh, it was it was great you know just looking back at some of those teams from the late 90s and early 2000s there's some great characters there i see names like you know uh, Ziggy Palfi you look at Brad Isbister, Mark Parrish, uh, Kenny Johnson. I'm curious, who were some of your favorite teammates from that time? Who are the guys you still keep in touch with? I even see Zidane Ochara on here. Can you believe that he's still playing, uh, you know, 25 years later? Yeah, well, we've, I guess when we all looking at Zidane, I mean, we still feel young. We still feel young. <laughs> I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's vegetarian, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's the key, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah. Then Ochara, Mike Parrish. I didn't, I didn't mention those names yet. Yeah, Kenny Johnson. I mean, that's there's really uh, some special guys as well. Dave Scatcher for sure. I, I went to a couple of years ago to New York for 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 the games, get invited. I was, that's really great that uh, you know the the team still invites uh, once a year. Obviously, the the COVID 
COVID year kind of sabotage everything for pretty much everything. So we, you know, hope, hopefully we can fly from Europe and all over the world again and, and maybe join join you guys in March. That's the plan uh, for the new arena as well. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I made, I made, you know, I saw Yashin again on the on that meeting uh, a couple of years ago, and and they sketch and Mike Parrish and those guys. I mean, it's 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 great to uh, great to see them, and and it's always always uh, fun to uh, stay in touch with them. Now, after the 0102 season, you were traded to Montreal. One year later, though, you're a free agent. You signed back with the Islanders. Have another 25 goal year. When it came time to look at your options. Right away, did you say I want to go back to the Islanders? Is that as long as they want me, that's my number one choice? How did it work out where you came back to the team? Yeah, you always want to go back to. to I mean, they showed the interest, so I, I I didn't think twice. I mean, I I I had some friends off the ice as well on Long Island, and and, and some nice Polish community as well. They, they were always supporting me and coming to the games, and and uh, obviously you know still knowing the teammates and. Like you said, I, I said that before. It was, it was, I feel like that was my second home in Long Island, and and that's why I I want to come back and regain my uh, regain my game again. Because Montreal obviously here wasn't wasn't that good for me. Wasn't either good for the team, and it was good that it was time to change, and I came back and and couldn't could uh, you know finish strong the whole season. Marius, uh, you talk about the Polish community on Long Island. I'm curious if you ever made it out to Greenpoint in Brooklyn because there's a pretty healthy Polish community out there as well. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, take a guess. Yeah, I didn't hang out that much. Obviously, when I was younger, like I said, I was I was always with a team and teammates, and I just didn't know the other 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 people as well. But when I joined the team later on, I knew more people. I knew more people from the off the ice. And some uh, Polish community, I, I met them there, and I, uh, I, I had some people that keep coming uh, to the games, and we had some dinners and barbecues together, and and uh, I even took a couple guys to uh, to Brooklyn and and some Polish restaurants, for Polish food. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, after 2005, 2006, you end up going back to Europe to play, and you signed to play a couple of seasons in the league in Switzerland. And I always think of guys who, who go back to play in Europe, and I feel like that has to be such a fun league to play in. And you see some videos from some of the crowds and the atmosphere, and obviously the scenery, traveling around. I don't know if you're going by train or by bus to each different city, but what was that experience like going those two years in Switzerland? Yeah, like like you say, you, you jump pretty quick there. Obviously, I, I answered in, in a second, but, you know, the, the, the tough thing was obviously after that, Season in, in in Long Island, and we had uh, had this pretty good season. Not only not only for me, but for many guys. Uh, you know, the sad thing was uh, there was a lockout year after, and, and after the lockout was uh, uh, was always tough when you're a little older and you 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 know coming back. And so I went to play Sweden first in 2004 uh, when there was the lockout year. Uh, I played in Djurgården, the old my old team when from beginning of 90s. When I joined the team there, and then actually I went to after the lockout, I, I played for Toronto Maple Leafs and finished career in Boston Bruins whenever I started in '94. So actually, the, the circle kind of closed in the NHL, and I knew at that time that the NHL pretty much for me is, is done um, after those uh, you know 
12 seasons basically because first game was 94 and then the last one was in 2006 so so I went uh, like you said to Switzerland actually the the general manager from Rappersville Jona Lakers that's a team in uh, close to Zurich in the highest league there he wanted sign with me even a year before but I said you know what I, I'm gonna, gonna go back to, to NHL and I, that's why I went to the NHL and played with Toronto and, and Boston the last, last my season but I, as soon as I, I think we finished that uh, that season he called me again and I said okay I'm, I'm uh, you know I, I think it's, it's it's time because mentally you gotta you gotta be ready you gotta know so I uh, it wasn't really tough for European guy to go back to Europe <laughs> obviously and uh, Switzerland is it's a great place to uh, to live basically and to travel like you said travel was uh, was great because it, it's it's small i mean the longest trip was like you know i don't know 3 hours by bus probably the shortest was like 45 minutes so it's, uh, it's like i said piece of cake for for european guys to travel less and basically you sleep every night in your own bed because you don't stay in the hotels you just you just travel by bus during the same day for the game, and uh, after the game you drive bus home. So at least you know, 15 years ago it was like this. I don't know now how they travel and if they sleep over or whatever they do, but uh, that was it was an easy adjustment. Well, after your hockey playing career, it seems like you've become a pretty avid golfer. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you not won a couple amateur championships as well? So take us through your how you yeah. got into golf and what you're doing with it now. I guess. Uh, I guess you uh, you did your homework. I would check some some things because when I was playing hockey, I didn't I didn't play golf. I was just wondering why the guys are all excited about the you know starting the season even with some charity golf tournaments and uh, you know they all hype when there was day off sometimes or when you know you when Florida after season or or, or or some places warm. Even we play uh, I play Edmonton Oilers after the season. The guys went to Pebble Beach and played that course a few times. Uh, and at that time, I, me and a couple of European guys, obviously from Czechs and Russians, because we didn't play golf that that time either. Uh, we played tennis, so I mean, tennis was a big thing that for us, for everybody else was golf. So I said, I, after I finished my hockey career, obviously golf starting to be popular in Poland as well. They they built, you know, a few courses. And a friend of mine kind of said to me that. He had a big, uh, like a golf magazine in, 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 in country and said, we want people to get more involved in golf. So we, we give you the teacher, uh, the trainer, and, uh, and some golf equipment, and you want to be part of this. Uh, we're going to get some actors and some comedians and some other sportsmen. Maybe, you know, four or five of you, we, we can we can teach play golf and somehow, you know, put it on this news, news and, and this magazine and, Kind of like a handy project in Golf Channel, but uh, just smaller and different, <laughs> not on TV, more in the magazine. So I said, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That was at the same time as my my son was born, 2009, because in 2008 I, I finished my career. And beginning of, in beginning of 2009, I played last game actually after a few months. Didn't play hockey. I, I played last game in my hometown. That was great as well uh, to playing for for home home city for the last time uh, after I mean I didn't they didn't see me playing with the jersey on uh, Tish's jersey on for basically you know many many years I was I was gone for 17 years so many people on that on that on that stage I mean on on the stands they didn't they just heard about me but they 
you know, the young people didn't see me live play. So uh, that was a huge thing for me. So, but go, going back, and that's how I finished my career. So going back to obviously the golf things, I said, yeah, you know what? I was always thinking about this golf. So I was like, what the hell? You know, I don't have nothing to lose. So I went for, uh, it took me another month or so to, you know, schedule one lesson because I was tennis fanatic. You know, I love tennis at that time. Play almost for 20 years during the summer times and everything. So I, I said, ah, okay, I, I try, you know, if I don't like it, I, I just, at least I know how to play golf. And, uh, <laughs> I just I just got cut down, you know. I I was I was going every morning. Uh, my time was born it was May June it was nice weather. My time was born, you know, six seven in the morning. Then he fell asleep again. You know, he was a few weeks old, a couple months. So obviously, I had an hour or two to go uh, stay with mom. I, I I went for a driving range, you know, having some coffee, talking to some people, you know, hitting those balls one basket, two baskets every two second day, every three days. And all of a sudden, I, you know, the guy said, you know what, if you, if you hit 50 balls and you remember two, three good ones, there's no fun. But if you hit 50, 50 balls from the basket and you remember two, three bad ones, that's, that's when you have fun. And, and, and that's, I kind of feel like, you know what, I'm starting hitting those balls. So after a few months, I, I went for the golf course, I played, and that's, that's it. And then I, and I basically, within three and a half, four years, I went to single handicaps to four five and, and after that obviously the story is you know long because of different tournaments and playing different countries and going to Indonesia and Malaysia uh, went to um, Thailand and, and obviously in Europe in in Portugal Spain all those golf courses and some tournaments and amateur world amateur uh, golf tournaments obviously not with the best one but uh, with the but with you know the handicaps and and uh, now I play some brutal tournaments, obviously as well. But it's it's still fun. And and few actually other players, sportsmen in Poland like Jerry Dudek, you know, Tomek Ivan, and and you know some some football guys. We we have uh, we have those tournaments and we play many times a year together. And we go to the trips uh, when it's winter like this. We plan some trips. We go play in Dubai or we play in Spain or we play in Portugal. Uh, it's always fun. I mean, the golf. Golf gives me another another drive and and another reason to train. Except uh, obviously the fitness and the, the lifting little weights and Tabata and running and Terex and, and you know some uh, MMA and <laughs> and master defense system. I mean, I have many many hobbies, but uh, obviously golf is the number one. Well, we're glad you brought up the fitness aspect because we understand that you also wrote a book about fitness training and what was that like and how did you get into the fact that you ended up becoming an author that sounds too big to become an author uh because it, it's more it's, if you have a byline with your name on it for a book you're an author well i don't know what to say but basically the other people approach you yeah i mean it's not like i just i kind of dream about it and always thought about it obviously that could be an answer but i'm, I'm honest it wasn't my idea the idea come Actually, I, I, I had a book with the sports journalist about hockey career. Many parents were coming to me during some tournaments and when I was doing some stuff, you know, hockey clinics and, and tournaments uh, with the kids. They were, you yeah, know, how it happens, you know, how we can do it, what's the chance to make to NHL, or what's the chance to become a good actress. So, so I wrote the book first about that, how was it and what it takes and how was it my experience. But then, you know, 
probably a year or so after that, the the book about hockey was was selling nicely and and good. And and whoever, I mean, the the company that promoted the, the first book, they said, well, you know what? Because you're so much in fitness, and I was doing a lot of stuff. Uh, so they wanted, but they wanted to do like a fitness kind of thing for the families, not just you know to 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 lift weights and you know, and, and pump the irons. It was more about how you can spend time on weekends, you know, you can run with the family, how we can play with the kids. My my kid was, you know, a couple years old as well, so I had a lot of, you know, physical activities with him and playing football and softball and tennis and, you know, bringing this my, my kid to the golf course and putting together and chipping and, and you know, running and have some competitions. And so they, they kind of want to, to share those ideas, how you know, not just to be strong yourself, and you know, doing doing some tabatas or doing push-ups or I mean, squats is not it's not it's not that tough, but he, just to put that together and, and doing kind of like a family for families and and for people that sometimes they have tough to get up from the chair and, and do some stuff. So I just try to motivate them and. Until day, I mean, uh, I had some meetings and motivate speeches with uh, some companies that how, you know, those people can, I mean, obviously you guys know how to lose weight and how to get motivated, how not get depressed and, and all that stuff. So it's just, just, I guess, I mean, it's easy for me because I love sports and I love to do stuff every day, get up and, you know, either run like today or doing some weights like tomorrow and push-ups and pull-ups and, and tabatas. I mean, I, it sometimes takes me 10, 15 minutes to do something like that, and, and just I just feel much better during the day. So we're talking about book. I mean, that's why the book came up more like a, I'm not an instructor for fitness. I'm more like a motivating guys and, and show that you can be still 50 and doesn't have to have extra kilos. I mean, you can have it, but, you know, to, to find the passion in your life, it helps, you know, to uh, to live day by day. Well, Maris, I want to go backwards a little bit if we can. I was just looking at sure. the 2000 All-Star Game, and uh, the All-Star Game obviously has had a lot of different formats. Currently, you have the three versus three, but back when you were in the All-Star Game, it was the North America versus World All-Stars. And just looking at you know that team and watching the skills competition, I'm seeing you taking passes from Timu Solani and Matt Sundin and Guillermo Yager. I'm curious. You know, did you like the North America versus World format? And just what was that All Star Weekend experience like for you? Oh, my friend, I I, I love whatever it was. Uh, I love just I love that information, and I remember until today how that happens that I get that I get informed by the by the coach and GM that I I gonna go and represent New York Islanders for the All Star game, and I get lucky in Toronto and the 50th. All-Star game in the history. So, I mean, just the numbers and plays was special as well. And like you said, you know, being with the guys and taking passes from, you know, Timo Selenen and, and Matt Sandin, actually a good friend of mine. Until this day, Matt is, uh, you know, it, it was it was great. And, and even leading for a little bit that competition, you know, for the target, shooting the targets down until Ray Bork obviously won again. I, you know, it was very, very close. I could... I, if I, if I, you know, if I hit that third one, probably the fourth one, I would hit in four shots for 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 targets. I did in seven. I think Ray did in five. So uh, it was it was great. Zerkowski of the New York Islanders, 18 goals, 19 assists on the season, coming into the All-Star break. 
One more few starts. Polish players in the NHL, Gary. Him and Chris Ola are one of my favorite players. Hang on, two for two. He went to the left side and got the two there. He's That's got five it. seconds left. Right brain, left brain thing there. Looks like it. Instead of the top <laughs> bottom. He got it though. Well, Zerkowski picks up four hits and seven shots. That's the uh, best mark so far in hitting four with a few shots. I mean, the whole thing in Toronto, and I mean, I remember my phone at that time, the messages were, I couldn't get all the messages, you know, text messages and voice messages from Poland and, and all these questions, and obviously I to get all the questions in North America. I remember those boots for different players that you go through when you talk to media. Obviously, there were some big names in that game, so I, I wasn't really in that attention. But obviously, as a first, again, you know, first it was uh, to be in NHL and then to be a first Polish player, to be in an All-Star game. The question I, I had to answer many, many times that, that weekend and obviously to talk about history and Poland and how that started and everything. So it's a, for me, obviously, great thing. And until this day, I mean, you remember because, first of all, you know, he played a few years in, and, and a few hundred games in NHL, but the, the All-Star game, it's a, it's a very special, for even for Polish people, because, like I said, until today, they because we had a couple guys in NBA, like Martin Gortat and Trebinski in the 90s. Martin Gortat was, uh, they, they were hoping that maybe he's going to play some All-Star game. He never did. But uh, I got lucky to, to get selected and to play that good that year at the same time. And, and to be part of it, huge thing for me. Now, Marius, we have to ask, are there any young Polish prospects we should keep an eye out on that maybe one day you think could uh... – could be like you and playing the National Hockey League. Well, we had Komisarek and Wojtek Polski, but uh, and I, I think it's going to be another guy like that. Probably like Komisarek was born in states. Uh, Wojtek Polski was two years old when he moved to Canada with the parents, because I guess some parents already live in states in Canada and then and, and have some some uh, talented uh, kid to play hockey. Maybe in Czech, maybe in Sweden, maybe in Switzerland. So I, I know there are a few, but. We'll see in Poland. Like I said, we were talking about this. I, I'm doing a lot of hockey tournaments. We, they they participating in, in Cherkasky Cup, I call that. And we call that with a bunch of, a uh, couple of uh, former hockey players. We do it together, the Olympians, my friends. And we see, I mean, we see the, we're doing under 10 years old and under 12 years old. So basically well, that's when the, 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 the kids group are the, the wider, the widest, I mean, there's, there's a uh, there's few really really good ones, uh, two at least, three at least that could I mean they could skate like unbelievable. I, I mean you put them in Canada, probably a stage they wouldn't wouldn't they would probably be one of the best as well. But we'll see what's gonna happen. They already they they only 10 years old and 12 years old. I mean it's, it's tough to predict. Obviously uh, it seems like it was tougher before. Now it should be a little bit easier because the Europe and everything is more open and. You could get more, you know, more eyes can can see you. But at the same time, if I think the only problem in Poland is because at that time we're playing Olympics and we're playing the European Championship and we're playing, you know, national international champions uh, in the pool A, you know, with the with the with the with the best teams in the world. Right now, Poland doesn't have that strong team, and usually they play pool B or Division One B, you know, those, those less uh, good uh, teams. Again, so 
it's tough to bring the the scouts probably there from NHL and tough to bring uh, bring the attention. So we'll see. I mean, uh, obviously, there's uh, whoever is playing right now. They know about NHL. I didn't know until I was probably 15, 16. That's when I heard about Gretzky. Right now, they heard hear about uh, everybody. It's easy to see and easy to to take a look on the internet or or, or check the NHL hockey games. So. Hopefully, uh, I mean, there will be. If that would happen, that would be even great. I mean, it would be even greater for me because uh, there will be more interesting about hockey and more, you know, maybe more ice rings would, would be built. We don't have that many. We have maybe 20, 30 hockey rinks in this in this country. I mean, 40 plus. I mean, 40, almost 40 million people, and only only 20, you know, 20 rinks. That doesn't sound, you know, too much uh, potential and and too uh, too high expectations for the for the next uh, hockey NHL star. But uh, hey, you never know. I I I could make it. Uh, Chris Oliver could make it. So hopefully somebody else can uh, as well. Well, Marius, uh, just given everything you've done on the ice for Polish hockey, I think some stuff off the ice and just the impact you've had on the game in your country in general. Uh, I saw you were awarded the Knights Cross, the Order of Polonia Restuda uh, in 2004. Just, you know, what did that mean to you? And just what do you think about what you've been able to do for Polish hockey over the past uh, four decades? Oh, it's, I mean, how many times I said it was great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you look in the perspective, I, you know, obviously I'm going to be 15, uh, five months. And you talk about you talk about those things right now. I mean, when you're 25 and 30, you don't think about it. Obviously, when when you look at the perspective, you finished your career over a decade ago, and and obviously, you know, you you look in every every few weeks on those kids that they come up to you and doing the taking the pictures, and they want to be like you. And obviously, the parents know you more than those kids, but <laughs> but uh, they probably parents show them on the YouTube how how is. Uh, how, how, how did I play and how was things going? Uh, it's it's and 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 to have this from president of Poland to that knowledge and and from different people in my country and and until today doing interviews or comment commentating uh, hockey games or commentating uh, sometimes uh, you know NHL or obviously Olympic games and going going uh, and see see those family faces again it's. It's it's great. I mean, that was that was my life. That was my passion and love of the game. Like I said, I mean, I have other hobbies. Maybe hockey is not the the biggest one right now because I don't play hockey that much, except a few few maybe charity games a year, three four, and obviously I play golf. You know, 250 days a year, but it's still the biggest love of my life. It's obviously you know to care about hockey and to play that game that make me. Uh, live a pretty good life and and uh, i know hard work uh, pays off it's not always that easy because you know it's not always the hardest working person in the world to get the most success but if you don't work hard that, that's pretty much guaranteed that you're not going to be successful so unless you're in a different business but basically in every business you 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 have to have the commitment to uh, to put the hours in and and to to think every day and eat and sleep uh, whatever you do so it was just uh, it was just great journey Marius, last one for, for us. Those orange jerseys that were the alternates that you would have worn in the 2003-2004 season, do you have memories of those when you first saw those and, and what you thought about them? 
come on, where did you come up with that question? Uh, <laughs> obviously, I, I still hangs in my house in uh, in my hometown because uh, I live in Warsaw now, but I still keep my house uh, in uh, in Poland. I, I bought it. I bought it uh, first for my parents, but then I bought another one, the smaller one, obviously for the for me when I was uh, when I was visiting Poland for a couple of weeks a year, and I still keep it. It's in my gym. There and that's funny because you know what I'm looking at myself right now and I show you before I can show you after the video on me but I, I have an orange on me and and the hat is orange as well so I guess the orange for me wasn't wasn't maybe that's why I remember you know because uh, it was uh, still in it's, I still have it uh, as a memory in uh, in my house like I said and my top is orange like a blues and and my. Uh, Weather and my my hat today is, is orange, so I, uh, orange wasn't bad. Good memories, good memories. St still supporting the Islanders, orange and blue, all the time. Thank you, Maris. We really appreciate the time. Sure. It's it's been a blast. Well, thank you again for joining us on another edition of Talk at Isles. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might listen. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Greg Picker here, and I am at Rightsway. You can follow all the latest info about the team on Twitter at NY Islanders and stay up to date on UBS Arena at ubsarena.com. A big thank you to our producer, Rachel Lusher, and to WRAQ at Hofstra University. And we'll see you next time on Talking Isles.